You're listening to The Devoted Podcast, where our desire is to be women devoted to the Word of God. We're so glad you're here, and we pray you'll be challenged and encouraged as we look to God's Word together. Hey gals, welcome to The Devoted Podcast. Glad you guys are here. Well, today I kind of want to jump into, hopefully this will be a shorter episode. I know that I have a tendency to go really long. Do you guys 2X me? Can you guys do that? Do I talk too fast to do twice the speed? I confess, there's a lot of podcasts I listen to that I do at 2X. I probably talk too fast for you guys to do me at twice speed. All that to say, okay, I'm trying to not have a super, super long podcast for you guys today. However, here's my caveat with long podcasts. I also don't want to waste your time. I always feel like if there's nothing to podcast about, then I need to save your time. Forget it. I don't want to share things that are not helpful. And sometimes I find that it takes a little bit more time to do. So thus the length of the podcast sometimes. But anyway, today will hopefully be a little bit shorter because what I want to do today is just kind of, I want to peel back some of our own lingo. I know on the podcast, I have even recently, I think there's been a couple episodes where I keep throwing out that there's lingo and Christianese stuff that I don't love. And some of those reasons I don't love those phrases is because I think they've started to take on a meaning of their own that really isn't very helpful it's not very genuine. And I think it's just sometimes just a lot of words that don't mean anything. But then I also realize that sometimes we have our own Christian lingo and phrases that we say that we could just as easily, somebody could criticize me for saying the same thing. And I was thinking about it. And I think something that I say a lot, and I'm sure I say it in different ways, but the whole purpose of this podcast is to look to the word. And so we say that a lot. So if I could put that phrase in air quotes, look to the word. We say this a lot. We mean that go to your Bibles. What does your Bible say? What should you do? But see, I want to challenge myself a little bit and go, okay, wow, if I am somebody who is maybe newer to Christianity at all, maybe I'm a new believer, or maybe if you're somebody that has just been in a totally different upbringing, totally different church background, Maybe some of these phrases that seem very self-explanatory to me really aren't. I want to poke at my own lingo and say, well, hey, what do we mean by this? And don't say empty words, but have them really mean something. And this phrase in particular, it should mean something. And so I want to just, as silly as it might seem, I want to dissect this phrase just a little bit and say, well, what do we mean when I say that we need to look to the word, that we need to see what our Bible say about stuff? How do we do that? Like practically. How do you do that? When you're struggling with something and as Christians, you can say, well, what does God's word say about that? Do you know how to do that? Because here's what you can't do. You know, you can't have a problem. You can't have something that's going on and somebody give you this nice little pat answer of, well, look to God's word and go, okay. And so you go grab your Bible off the shelf and you let it fall open and then you take your finger and you close your eyes and you just plop it down on a verse And you read what it says and say, see, I looked to God's word. I looked to the word to see what it should say, what it would tell me to do in this situation in my life. You know, for an example, so maybe you're a gal that is trying to figure out, should I marry this guy or not? Yeah, he's not really Christian, but he says that he will go to church with me when we are married. And so I'm sure it'll be fine. What should I do, Lord? And so you have some you know, weird Christian lady that does a podcast in her closet, say, look to the word. 
And so you grab your Bible and you flip it open and you point and you land on 1 Chronicles 17.2 and you read what it says. And 1 Chronicles 17.2 says, And Nathan said to David, Do all that is in your heart, for God is with you. And you go, okay, so this must be what it is to look to God's word and get answers to all of my problems. Okay, you guys are probably catching my sarcasm. You know that that's not the way we should do it. However, I really don't want to point fingers and make you feel guilty if you've actually just done that. Have you just grabbed your Bible? Because you know what? I actually think our Lord is gracious enough that there will be times and different things that he may use something that is actually that completely random to speak into your life through his word. I think he can do that. Now, I also don't think necessarily that that is taking the Bible, looking to the word of God in informed and correct way. Well, what should we do then? Now, we can, I can tell you just even pulling in that one right there, the first Chronicles 17, 2, it does say that. Now, if we were to pull that verse into context, we would actually find out that when Nathan said that to David to do all that it was in your heart, he was actually giving David really bad advice. Whoops. And as you read a little bit further into First Chronicles, God goes to Nathan and says, uh, no, I did not say David could do that, actually. And so then Nathan has to go to David and say, oh, man, I'm sorry, you actually can't build the temple. I know that I said that you could, but that isn't what you can do. And then the story goes on. But point is, you can't just take something and plop it out of context and then kind of slap it onto your life. You know, that's not what it means to look to God's word. So what does it mean for us to do that? Like, and that's situation where maybe you are somebody that's trying to seek the word about wisdom for who you're in a relationship with and who you want to get married. Then what we want to do is we actually want to look and see, well, what does the Bible say about marrying somebody who's not saved? And the Bible actually tells us some things about that, tells us some things about being unequally yoked and things that we should not link ourselves with. And the scriptures are actually really clear about that. So that would be the thing that you would study, not necessarily turning to the Bible like it's a, you know, say yes or no box and tell you what to do. So, but what I wanted to do in this episode is just to kind of talk about a couple practical tools for maybe how you can look to the word yourself for on any issue that you're thinking about. And one of the things that I want to start with is that while I we're going to talk about actually diving into like a very specific study that you maybe you want to do, but just as like a overarching something that should just be part of your normal habit is just daily being in the word. And I do I do mean daily. I don't think we need to be freaky and legalistic about a certain number of verses a day or a, I don't know. I love Bible reading plans because for me, they keep me on track. And if I'm having a day where I am really struggling, sometimes it's on those days that you're struggling that you're like, I don't even know where to read. I don't even know what to do. But the thing I love about a Bible reading plan is that I don't actually have to think about where I'm reading. I'm just reading where I've always been. So I started it several years ago where I just read through the Bible all the time. And I might not always finish a year. I might do it in a year and a half. Sometimes I've done it in less. Sometimes it's taken me two years. But my point is, is that I always am just in, I'm reading through God's word, even if you know, at church and at Bible study, we'll be studying in a separate book or, you know, I might even do some other little Bible studies along the way. I still stay with a daily reading, reading through the scriptures themselves. Why do I do that? I mean, we can say the why in that scripture tells us often, be in the word, be in the word, be in the word. Daily, because I think we have the attention spans of gnats sometimes. Okay, I'll speak for myself. 
I have an attention span of a gnat sometimes. And often we just need those reminders from the word. Maybe it's things, a, a verse you read about the faithfulness of the Lord. Maybe it'll be something in the word about some conviction. Maybe, you know, the, those passages that nobody wants to read about how sharp the tongue is and guarding your tongue and how it's a unquenched fire. I mean, there's kind of some nasty stuff that's said about the tongue. So sometimes the scriptures might be giving us a reminder about conviction and things that we need to do. But for me, it's got to be daily. I need to see it every single day. And it doesn't have to be something where you're taking a huge chunk even of scripture, but just plotting through and just keeping it as part of your normal habit. And there's so many different ways to mix this up. You know, it can be that you listen to it. It can be that you actually spend some time reading it. Maybe it's on your lunch hour. Maybe it's during nap time for the kids. Maybe it's right before you go to bed. There's so many different ways really not getting into the word. It just, there's just no reason that we can't in some way. So daily reading, I love it because I just think that we need to always be walking through his word for us. And it won't be something that after a month, you're going to be like, man, I just know the Bible so much because I've been reading it for a whole 30 days. Man, you're going to do that for the next 30 years. And you're going to be like, wow, I still have so much to learn in scripture. But it will have this cumulative effect in your life. And as you are in things daily, those scriptures, they just come to mind much more easily. I have told you guys this many times how um, we do the Proverbs for our boys in the morning. We read a proverb a day. There are so many Proverbs that my kids now at 15 and 18 and one at 20 that we can say the beginning of it and they finish the rest of it. It's not because my kids are like geniuses or something. Nope. It's because it's repetition. It's because we've done it over and over and over and over again. They weren't able to do that at five and six. But over time, you know, years and years later, they're able to just have God's word just kind of ingrained in their brain. And it's so great. And I want that same thing for my own life. So daily reading, that's a big thing. Okay, but what about topic reading? I wanted to say this one because say you're trying to do, you want to know what the Bible says about a particular topic. There's ways you can do that. So I wanted to kind of dive into that. I'm going to give you a, a one tool that you can use. There are others that you can do. And I might mention a few of those, but I just wanted to give you one example because I don't want to flood you with all kinds of information that's just too much. But I think this is really practical. So Say you want to know, what does the word say? The weird Christian lady in her podcast closet says, look to the word about the poor. What does the Bible say about the poor? What are you going to do? If somebody tells you to do that, do you know how to grab your Bible and then look to the word to see what it says about that? And so that's what I want to break down. Now, before you dive in, make sure, make sure, make sure. If you're going to search the scriptures for anything, you begin with prayer that you ask the Lord, you ask the Holy Spirit to open your eyes to the wondrous things of his law, because he will bring that understanding and that insight to you when you ask. His word tells us he will, and he is faithful to do it. So always begin with prayer. And the next thing I would say, just on a very practical basis, is grab a journal of some kind and make some notes and things. If you don't want to be that formal, grab um, some sticky notes and stick them in your Bible. I've done that. Whatever system you want to do, it just really helps if you're writing your questions out as you're going. Because you might come along a verse about the poor and you're going to be like, yeah, but what does this word mean in here? And maybe you don't have time to look at it right now, but make a little note so that next time you can spend a little bit more time on that. So if you wanted to just do a study on the poor, now I picked this one because I've been a little bit intrigued with this one. I think it's a particular topic that we're kind of 
I don't know, there's a lot of worldly and I will say so-called Christian, you know, there's some progressive pressure about what our attitude should be about the poor. So we want to be compassionate Christians that reflect Jesus well. Remember when we, we've been walking through our cultural Christian series talking about what it really means to be a Christian. So what did Jesus say about the poor and what we should do. Now, the reason I'm saying, what did Jesus say when we say, look to the word, what does he say about the poor? Because what can be real easy is to just hear what everyone else is saying, hear what was in the 60 second reel, hear what was on that TikTok, hear maybe it's a scripture that was taken vastly out of context and just have somebody else tell us what the word says about the poor. I want to challenge us to be like, nope, let's go ahead and we look to our Bibles and we see what is meant by that. So one really just practical tool, if you wanted to, because it's free, it's easy, you can go online and you can go to a site called Blue Letter Bible, blueletterbible.org. And it's just kind of a, a very basic Bible search tool. So you can go in there and you can enter up at the top, you can enter your word that you're looking for. You can look for it in different versions. I'm sure there's lots of things that this site does. I've done some very, very basic things, not spent a ton of time in this. And here's why I picked this one, because typically when I do my Bible study stuff, I have a Bible software on my computer. So I actually typically study in something totally different. But I wanted to pick one that I know is still a good site, but one that I didn't have a whole lot of experience because I kind of wanted to be a newbie. If I were one of you gals that has never looked at this site before, would I know how to do it? <laughs> and I'm kind of somebody that doesn't really like to read all the directions and watch all the tutorials. So I kind of wanted to see how just user-friendly it would be. And it was actually pretty simple. So I went to the site, I entered in the word poor, and then I, instead of just doing enter, I did go ahead and hit their advanced search. In their advanced search, they let you say, hey, I just want to see the word poor, and it'll let you pick just the Old Testament, just the New Testament. You could pick like just from a range of books. Maybe you just wanted to see where the word poor appears in the Gospels. So I just went ahead and chose uh, poor and show me where it is in the New Testament and hit enter. That's all I did. It was great. So then it pulls up a list of 37 times that the word poor appears in the New Testament. And then it also at the top, it shows you some dictionary links that you can look up like the specific words. It shows you some lexicons. So it actually went way deeper than I even did for this podcast. But you could play with that and you could really do a pretty decent study on what the word poor and all where the attitude of the poor when scripture talks about it. What is the word's perspective? on how we are to be with the poor. So I'm not gonna go through these exhaustively because I'm actually not trying to do a whole study on the poor, but I'd wanna just give an example so you knew kind of how to use this. But as you go through, I read all 37 of those verses and you're able to start kind of grouping them into some things. You know, we know that Jesus repeat, well, Jesus doesn't repeat, but the gospels repeat the accounts of Jesus and the things that he said in each of their gospels, sometimes with a slightly different way. So it's kind of fun to compare those. Matthew 5, 3 talks about that's where Jesus says, blessed are the poor in spirit. Now that's the first word of poor, but we can look at that and go, well, what is that? Is that really meaning like financial 
poverty, like in a disadvantaged finance situation? Or is that something else? And it's actually that's more of a poorness in ourselves spiritually. Also, Luke 620. And that's where that same thing is reiterated. And it says, blessed are you who are poor for yours is the kingdom of God. So you can kind of put that one in a little category. And then you could write down maybe what else does the Bible tell us about the poor? And you can see in Matthew 11, 5 and a Luke 7, 22, there's two different um, scriptures that talk about going to the poor and have the good news preached to them. And then this is in the context of Jesus responding to John's disciples when he asks, are you in fact the Messiah? And he gives this scripture and he talks about that the poor have the good news preached to them. That's in Matthew eleven five. Also, he says in Luke 4, 18, says the same thing. The spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to proclaim the good news to the poor. So you'll find in your, you know, in several of those verses that the, when the poor comes up in the context of the scriptures, it's talking about that we are to be giving the good news, the gospel to the poor, setting them free from their sin. That's really more of the context of what is talking about in those passages with the poor. But then also the New Testament in Luke gives us some information on uh, having hospitality to the poor. But there's also still the gospel message, which I enjoyed reading that. Luke 14, 13 says, but when you give a feast, invite the poor, the crippled, the lame, and the blind. We should show hospitality in that. Give to the poor. Matthew 19, 21 says, Jesus said to him, if you would be perfect, go sell what you possess and give to the poor and you will have treasure in heaven and come follow me. Now there's more to that story as well, because we, if you look into that story more deeply, you can see that that's someone who was actually putting his riches and his wealth above the Lord. It was not necessarily saying that you must sell everything, but there is the poor comes up there and, and we can see that Jesus is acknowledging, yeah, it's good to give to the poor. Same thing he says in Mark 10, 21. Now, then later when we see, we see some criticism when the poor is, re, is mentioned in Matthew 26, remember when uh, Mary from Bethany came in and she anointed Jesus with the oil and Judas criticizes and says, for this could have been sold for a large sum and given to the poor. You know, we, we should be giving to the poor. Now, in that context, though, that's Judas being a little bit critical and maybe a little bit self-righteous of, you know, this was a waste and we should be, you know, giving to the poor. Now, what I think is interesting about that is Jesus's response. And he says this in both Matthew 26, 11, and then also in John 12, 8. He says, for the poor you always have with you, but you will not always have me. So those verses right there, just if we were to take just those to kind of say, okay, what was Jesus's attitude here towards the poor? He does talk about the poor. He talks about giving to the poor. He talks about showing hospitality in some of those examples. But he also in several is talking about the point being more focused on the gospel than necessarily changing their financial state. In fact, he even says with the poor, he says, you're always going to have them. Meaning, I think we can imply then that it's not like that is something that we as Christians are supposed to eradicate. Now, he gives us things that we're supposed to be compassionate and generous and show hospitality to, but he also is acknowledging you will always have poor. But Jesus often commends the poor too. And I love this too. And I think this is where we really have things tweaked because we often seem to think that the people that are well off or people that have finances in order, that they're somehow the better ones. But Jesus would flip that, right? Remember when it's in Mark 12, Jesus talks about a poor widow that comes and puts two small copper coins and and Jesus commends her saying that, you know, she's given more than, than anyone else because she gave all that she had. He commends the poor for this, you know, she's showing tremendous generosity 
because she has so little, right? It's a really sweet story there. We also see in treatment of the poor that, that Jesus shows the spiritual equality of the rich and the poor, meaning, you know, it's not about whether you're poor or you're rich, spiritually speaking, that matters, right? When he says in Luke 16, 22, the poor man died and was carried to the angels by Abraham's side, the rich man also died and was buried. In other words, guess what? Poor or rich, you die. Everybody dies. That's just the way it goes, right? There's nothing that is difference between the rich and the poor in that matter. But we can see through many of these scriptures, it again is not so much the context of completely reversing the situation of the poor financially so much as there is more attention given to the spiritual side of things and that spiritually to preach the gospel to the poor to show hospitality, to show generosity. Now, we also see past the Gospels, when you look into some of Paul's letters, you see what he says about the poor, and you can see in a couple different passages where they were giving contributions to the poor. They are, um, Paul reminds the Galatians to remember the poor. But again, I think that the big point with the poor would be the spiritual is what's important, not necessarily the financial state. Second Corinthians 9, 9 says, as it is written, he has distributed freely. He has given to the poor. His righteousness endures forever. That's actually not talking about money. Yes, he's distributed freely, but what is it he's given freely? He's given the forgiveness of sins, redemption. His righteousness is what endures forever. The Lord is pouring out on us. James also talks about some things with the poor of not showing favoritism and having a right understanding of that. So lots of scriptures there where you could go through 37 and all. Some of them are very similar passages. But if you were wanting to go, okay, I know that there is kind of this message out there of how really all of Christianity is actually about the poor and the more of the social justice gospel. Now, I want to be careful to not sound like there are not things in there that we would absolutely say, yes, we should be doing, just like Jesus's word said there. Give generously, show compassion, show hospitality, all of those things. But remember, he also said, the poor you will always have with you, preach the gospel to the poor, preach the gospel to the poor. It's almost as if to say, yes, give of your finances, help the poor in practical ways, because there's also scriptures that say, yes, give your coat also, you know, and be generous even to your enemies. But Preach the gospel. Preach the gospel. The gospel is the spiritual state of things is far more important because remember, it's the rich man and the poor man. They both die and we care about the eternal state. Now, in that little brief word study I just gave you with Blue Letter Bible, I probably opened up more questions than answers. But the point of this episode is not to answer all of your questions about what the Bible says about the poor. The point of this was to show you that you can actually go look to the word so that you can do study in what the scriptures say about these things and how that might look. I just don't want to get caught into this place where I am saying things, but then not maybe then providing some practical ways in which you can do that. So that's blueletterbible.org. There are other ones that you could use too. Man, some of you probably, if you have one that you just think is amazing that you think would help other gals, shoot it our way and maybe we can throw that out there as a recommendation. Also, sometimes if there's just ones that are Bible questions, I know we've brought this one up, I think on the Q&A that Becca and I did, um, gotquestions.com. You can put in theological terms and Bible words that you're like, man, I have no idea what that means. And they do a really good job of explaining things. And then also, most importantly, giving you scripture references for where you can go to actually find those principles and those concepts within the word itself. So I love that about that one. Other ways to look to the word. What does the Bible say? One of my faves is your Bible. 
Yep, your Bible. I have a Thompson Chain reference Bible. It's kind of a hard Bible to find. I always kind of feel badly when I recommend that one because I know it is on Amazon, but for a while they weren't printing it because I think they were changing publishers or something like that. But I really love the Thompson Chain reference Bible. It's got a really good cross-reference section. So what do we mean by cross-reference? What you'll see with that is when you're studying the scripture in your margin, it'll show a verse or another scripture reference where you will find maybe that same word or that same idea. It'll show where else that shows up in scripture. And then you can flip to there and you can see how it was used there. Very similar to what we just did with Blue Letter Bible, right? It's going to tell you where that word is used in other places. It's just showing you up on your screen. But you can also do it in your Bible if you've got a cross-reference Bible and not just a Thompson chain. Any cross-reference Bible will do that. You can take that and then you can see where it'll tell you where that next scripture is of where it's shown. Now, what I love about the chain reference Bible is it will have like a topic, for example, like what we've talked about with poor. It'll show that in the margin next to one of those passages that we read. It will tell you the next place in scripture that that idea of poor or poverty or riches or something like that, where else it appears. And then also it has in the back, it has this index of chain topics. And so like, for example, that one, since we were giving the example of the poor, it's like three pages of all of these different scriptures that you can look that will show all of it, not just the word poor, but also poverty and an Old Testament. And it's just, it's extremely in-depth. You would spend a lot of time in that, I'm just saying. But honestly, if you have any good study Bible, I love the ESV study Bible. I've used the Life Application Bible before. It can have some good stuff. I'm just partial to my Thompson Chain Reference Bible. They have so many extra tools, either in the back and sometimes even in the front. And they're usually the sections of your Bible that you never read. I'm telling you, that would be a decent, that's like a built-in Bible study tool right there is just to read some of that extra stuff that is provided in your own study Bible because there's some really good stuff in there. It's just like the type is always really, really tiny. And I'm like, wow, that's really hard. So it takes a little bit of work, but it's worth it. There's some good, good stuff in there. And why do we do this? You know, just remember Deuteronomy 17, 19, what it tells us. It says that, and it shall be with him and he shall read it in all the days of his life that he may learn to fear the Lord his God by keeping all the words of this law and the statutes and doing them. That's kind of the point, gals. The point is that we would be knowing what God's word says and obeying it. You cannot obey what you do not know. And we are told throughout his word that we, if we love him, we will keep his commandments over and over. Keep his commandments, keep his commandments. His commandments are what you find in the word. And you got to look to it to know what it says to be able to obey that. Now, here's the thing that I don't want you to do, because I don't want you to just take not only the world's word for whatever topic, whatever they're trying to force down your throat. I don't want you to take just what a pastor says or an author. Certainly don't let just don't take what I say and just go, oh, Amy said it's this. So that must mean she's right. Oh, please don't. No, no, no. We need to be gals that know how to use our Bibles and be able to take this Christian lingo of look to the word and actually be able to apply that in our life and really see what the Bible says. Remember what it says in Acts 17, 11, it tells us about this, this group of people called the Bereans. And it says, now these Jews, meaning these Bereans, were more noble than those in Thessalonica. They received the word with all eagerness, examining the scriptures daily to see if these things were so. What an amazing attitude to have about 
being really biblical about the things that we think and the things that we, how we should form our opinions and our worldview is by examining the scriptures with all eagerness even, right? Not like a, okay, I guess I'll go to all this work and try to figure this out. But no, they did it with eagerness and they were studying the scriptures daily to see if the things that they were saying were so. And they were measuring Paul's words. So I'm just saying, if they had to go and check Paul's math, we certainly need to check all of the people that we're listening to. And certainly anything that you hear from this podcast microphone, anything you read, man, we got to be checking it against what the word says. And the thing is about that is it's going to take a little bit of work. It's not a 60 second reel. Like I said, it's not a TikTok video where you can just watch it real quick and, you know, okay, cool. I got it. Ladies, we need to get back to being okay with having something just not come easy. I was reading a book the other day that was talking about kind of comparing the women of like the 1800s, those homesteader homemakers, with the housewife of the 1950s. So, you know, back in the olden days that we very affectionately call and we like to look back at it nostalgically, but I'm not sure any one of us would have really wanted to be a homesteader in the 1800s or a homemaker where you're, you know, washing your laundry by hand. And I don't even really understand how they were able to cook in a cook stove. I mean, that would be really challenging. They were making their own clothes. They were growing their own gardens. They were, I mean, their life in how they just did day-to-day life was way harder <laughs> than we could even possibly imagine. I mean, what would happen? Wouldn't that be kind of funny to see if you just, if you plucked us out of our, you know, 2023 conveniences and, you know, our telling Alexa to add to our shopping list or whatever, or having Instacart come to our door and actually put us in a situation where none of those conveniences were there. Wow. That would be quite the stark reality. This book I was reading was pointing out that in the 1950s, that's kind of when things started to get a lot easier for the housewife, right? We had toasters all of a sudden, and we had washing machines. You know, we had mixers, you know, all of these things that just made the daily life of things that women did in the home way easier to do. Now, I'm not knocking those things because I, I really like my Crock-Pot and my, you know, KitchenAid, and I like my coffee pot. And, you know, I, I love the conveniences we have. But I will say, I do think it's made us look for all the ways that we can make something easier because we're kind of used to the norm being easy. And I think we can apply that same thing to Bible study sometimes. Like we're kind of just used to it being easy. Make it super user-friendly. If we are on a website and we have to go through like 12 clicks for something, we're infuriated, right? Because that's not user-friendly. We use that term, right? (laughs) We always are looking for the thing that is easier. And I'm sure that's just that's part of our nature, you know, but I do think we might need to push back on that in our within ourselves a bit and not look for the easy way, particularly when it comes to Bible study. Proverbs 2, 1 through 5 are some of my favorite verses when it comes to this, because it says in verse one of chapter two says, my son, if you receive my words and treasure up my commandments with you, making your ear attentive to wisdom and inclining your heart to understanding Yes, if you call out for insight and raise your voice for understanding and seek it like silver and search for it as you would for hidden treasures, then you will understand the fear of the Lord and find the knowledge of God. There's some eagerness within that passage, isn't there? Like you're going to be looking for that insight. You're going to be looking for the wisdom as if you're searching for something of great, great value of like hidden treasure. But I also think there's an implication, especially as you read the rest of that chapter, of some diligence. 
within this passage, there is the promise that you will find it. If you search for it, you will get wisdom, but you might have to put your back into it. It might not be as easy as, you know, pressing go on the coffee pot and walking away. I think it's okay to challenge ourselves to look for things that might push us to work a little bit harder, to actually read a little bit further. Challenge yourselves even into how long you can read a particular article or commentary on something or a passage. This is again where, you know, I said I, and I'm sure there's lots of us, but we can have a little bit of attention span of a gnat. We know that this is an issue because you can even look at um, news sites now and it'll let you click on, here's a quick read and they'll say, this will take you three minutes. Like they time it for us guys so that we don't like, oh wait, nope, sorry, I can only do four minutes. I can't possibly do, you know, five or whatever the thing is. Or or then there'll usually be a section and I always love how it's usually like only two articles they list because probably nobody's clicking on them and they call them long reads. Okay, are you guys ready for what a long read is? Typically, if you're on a news site and you click on a long read, it could take you 15 minutes. 15 minutes. Now, there was a day that we probably looked at that as being the short read. Like 15 minutes? That's no big deal. We all have 15 minutes. But now 15 minutes seems like, whoa, I got no time for that. I need a headline. I need it quick. And I need to move on. I get it. Our lives are kind of packed. Now, I can still challenge myself on that, too, and be like, wow, aim. If you're so busy that you can't read a 15-minute long read on something, maybe something needs to be taken out too. I think those are some healthy challenges to our schedules at times. But my point is, it's just to, to push back against that we must have something easy, particularly when it comes to Bible study. Yep, we got some awesome tools. I just showed you one with the Blue Letter Bible or even just your own Bible itself. Just look in the back, look at your cross-reference, look at some of those things. We have lots of tools that we can do this, but it will take a little bit of effort. But I think it's really worth it. But be careful too, even with my Christian lingo, you know, of looking to the word, peel it back. What do we mean by that? And how do we get there? Because my prayer for the women at Athe is that we will use the brains that the Lord gave us to not be shallow and buy the vapid conclusions that the world and, and sadly, many Christians, especially progressive Christians, what they want to tell us. Those folks, they're banking on you not actually reading the long read. They're, at, they're hoping that you're not going to actually read your Bible, that you're actually not going to go look up every single verse that mentions the poor in the Bible. And it's just so important because the Bible is what tells us what our sin is. It tells us our need for salvation, the way in which Jesus redeemed us and the hope, all the things that we have, it, the Bible has all of that. So it's worthy of our time. And we kind of have to put some time into that. And I hope when I say that, I don't even want that to, it's not a have to, it is a get to. It is such a blessing. So there you go. I tried to make that a little bit concise. You're like, game that wasn't that concise. But I just wanted to give us a couple practical ways that we can look to the word. And maybe if there's another phrase that's like that, that you're like, Amy, I'm newer to the Bible. I really have no idea what you guys mean when you say whatever. Would you please email us? I would love to hear because that is certainly never my intention to just say nonsense. I always want to make sure I'm being really clear. And especially because of what we talk about, gals, we're talking about what God's word says for us. And he wants it to be perfectly clear. Now, I might get in the way. I might miscommunicate something. Humans, we mess stuff up all the time. But the hope, the intention is that we're making the word clear 
so that you guys can go and study this for yourselves. And I just wanted this to just be a quick thing, especially if you're newer to the Bible. Maybe you've been reading it for a long time and you haven't just haven't really dug into some of the online tools that are out there. It can really enhance and be a cool, just different caveat to your Bible study that I think could be a lot of fun. So there you have it. If you have any comments on that, if you have any other weird phrases that I say that you're like, why do you say this? And I don't know what you say. There is no such thing as a dumb question. So send it my way. You're always um, free to email us at devotedpodcast at athecreek.com or also at women at athecreek.com. You can do that one also. So we'll put all of those in the show notes and contact information also with all of the scripture references and the link to Blue Letter Bible too. So hope that's helpful to you guys and we'll catch you next time. Thank you for tuning in to the Devoted Podcast. We are a ministry of Athey Creek Christian Fellowship in West Lynn, Oregon. For more resources or if you need prayer or encouragement, send us an email at devotedpodcast at athecreek.com.